can't pay the IRS, haven't filed in a while, receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Hello, and welcome to the Victor Davis Hansen Show. For everybody that is new, Victor is a scholar, a columnist, an essayist, and a political and cultural commentator. So I'm sure that you'll find something new here. He has 27 books, and you can find them on his website at victorhanson.com. That's H-A-N-S-O-N. And please come join us or cruise around the website or join up for a subscription to read the VDH Ultra material. Um, This is one of our news roundups. So we're going to do the news of the week. We're doing it a little bit earlier than usual, but I've tried to pick stories that will um, be coming up in the future. So hopefully we hit on a few things and especially we'll be looking at India. I know that the prime minister is due here on June 22nd. So we'll take some time to talk about India and um, uh, Tucker. Tucker has recently done a, what do you call those? Short little excerpt on the wannabe dictator. So we'll talk about that as well. So stay with us and we'll be right back after these messages. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back. Um, Victor is the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor, we usually start off with something um, positive, and I noticed that there was 
a court settlement in favor of a white Starbucks manager of the to the tune of 25 million after she was fired from a Pennsylvania um, area that she controlled. And she was fired after two young black men were not allowed to use the restrooms um, and they didn't have any, they weren't customers, so they hadn't bought anything. And so she won her case for 25 with the result of 25 million. Amazing. I think what we're watching is a very, 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 very slow rollback of woke. For example, Starbucks, remember with great fanfare, announced that they were going to solve all of the urban tensions and the homeless population by allowing people without a code to get into the bathrooms, no punch a keypad or keys, whether you were a customer or not. And then almost immediately, their employees were put at risk with the drug drugs being injected in the restrooms, vagrants coming in, people just, you know, I don't want to buy any coffee, I'm going to use your restroom. And so there was a lot of pushback. But in that process between the dream of the founders, his name Schultz or something, his dream of a utopia and the reality of a dystopia, there were the employees. And they didn't know what to do when people were coming in. And so there were employees who said, you know, the new rule and you can't come in here. And of course, whether that predated the new rule or after the, the I shouldn't say the new rule, the revised rule, because I do think yeah. if you go in there and maybe if the door is open, you can use it. But if there's a code, I don't think they'll give it to you if you're not a customer. But who knows? Yeah. Anyway, my point is that under the woke doctrines that if you were treated in a way you didn't like, and you happen to be black, then you had a grievance, and then you were threatening to do stuff, and then the authorities in question made the necessary adjustments, and the necessary adjustments were themselves sort of racist. So we're seeing a pushback. We're seeing it with the Los Angeles Dodgers. There's a lot of Catholic groups, and they're going to get a lot of people coming out to this uh, daughters of, what do you call it, perpetual blank 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 i hear so many things but yeah the, yeah the, the, point, the, the indulgence yeah that's right and that i mean what i don't like about them is they they passed off as a charities and i was just driving i was listening to we don't we're not anti-christian we're not anti-catholic this is discrimination no 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 why don't you just say what you are because you simulate sex acts with jesus christ and nuns and that's why you have the word indulgence and you use nomenclature from the church, sisters of perpetual. And your whole shtick is to simulate sex acts, mock nons, make fun of protocols, get on the, the Christ church, the Christ cross, and act as if it's some kind of dancing pole to simulate intercourse. And why don't you just say it? Why don't you just say, you know what? We're gay. We're happy. We don't like the church. That's why we do the stuff we do. We insult religion. We, we think it's a bad thing. And we're going to keep doing it if you don't like it. But they don't do that. They send So what are they going to do in Los Angeles Dodgers? I don't know. But there's people getting angry. And the people who are getting angry are not all MAGA people. They're Hispanics. And a lot of people are waking up. I think you're right. They're starting to say, you know what? Woke equals civilizational extinction. You cannot have a society 
operating on the principles of woke. That is called pre-civilizational tribalism, where you make decisions, appointments, promotions, demotions on the base of tri- a basis of tribal considerations, in this case, race. It won't work. And we're spending probably hundreds of billions of dollars with these commissars, these woke commissars, diversity, equity, inclusion commissars. And all they're doing is, besides the fact that they produce nothing, they're impeding meritocracy. And they're everywhere, like a panopticon with all their eyes watching, watching to see if they can find anything insidious, anything micro, anything systemic, because they can't find racism in the modern day American society, at least compared to other societies. So I think that's good. I think we're starting to see little indications that people say, and not this pig, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it anymore. And we're going to fight back. If everybody would do that, and just say, call me anything you want. Here, I got. Here's some ideas. Call me a racist, transphobe, homophobe, sexist, fascist. The usual stuff. I don't care. I think it'll it would disappear. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Well, um, on to Tucker. Tucker um, just recently had a short video where he was talking about um, a producer at Fox that actually I think. He resigned, but it was a mutually agreed resigning for having put a put a subtitle that said wannabe dictator speaks at um, White House after having his political rival arrested. And Joe Biden, of course, was giving a speech. So Tucker went on a rant, I guess, as you would say, about Joe Biden and dictatorship. And what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I met Alexander. I think his name was Alexander McCaskill. He's pretty high up in Fox. He's been there a long time. And I mean, you you can't call the president of the United States a dictator on the news, although Tucker had a really good slant on it. (laughs) Is it episode four? He has these 10 to 12 minute monologues and they they come out as, you know what they remind me of is that... uh, Oh, about 1850 in England when Dickens would take a novel and he'd serialize it and put mm-hmm. it in the Times and everybody would wait and wait and wait and wait and they would get great expectations or Nicholas Nickleby and in, in pieces as episodes. Well, this is what he's doing. He's giving you an episode, episode, episode. I know that he's transitioning into having uh, guests and videos and pretty much emulating what he did, but on a very different platform. But it. His take was really interesting. He was completely a satire, a parody. Joe Biden is not a dictator. If he was a dictator, he would have sons like Kusay, Saddam's son, who was taking drugs and womanizing. Our dictators wear shades and they're brag, bragging on their aviator glasses and they have big, nice cars or everybody's homeless and they've got three or four homes that nobody can explain how they got. And they give themselves <laughs> they give themselves they give their family, you know, phony titles like doctor who aren't doctors. <laughs> and then he's and he couldn't be he just couldn't be a dictator because they take money from foreign dictators under the table. And then every once in a while they rant and rage and, you know, dictators go after their political opponents. If a guy's a threat, then they go use the machinery of their government to indict him and put him in jail. They, they Joe wouldn't do that. <laughs> he went on and on. It was quite brilliant, really, to tell you the truth. Nobody knows what to do, Sammy, with Tucker. 
Yes. Nobody knows what to do. Fox is looking at this and they're thinking, hmm. When Bill O'Reilly left, Tucker came in and we didn't know much about him. He'd been around. He hadn't been nearly as successful as Bill O'Reilly. So we took it and he was. He trumped him. He was very successful. And then they said, you know, how can we replace Megyn Kelly? And by the way, Megyn Kelly is great right now. If anybody goes and watches her podcast, I urge everybody to do it. She's got a, a lot of wit and gumption and she's fearless. But Laura came in and Laura did a very good job. Excellent. And so they thought that the continuity between a good person and a good person and a good person would continue. So Tucker was good. They were going to bring in, I don't know who. No. Three times not a charm. And so they've lost a million point three. And now they're threatening to sue him on the idea that he had a non-competition clause that if he were to be under pay, I suppose, I haven't read it, or for, I guess it's up to a year or two years, he can't compete. And in, 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 But that's the key, isn't it? Compete. And so they're going to have to adjudicate. You really think that Twitter is a network news station? I don't. Yeah. No, I don't think in court no, that they would no. win. Not the same thing. Because I think they're going to argue he can tweet. If he was just tweeting, right, like everybody else, they wouldn't sue him. But they're tweeting because he has a video element to his tweet. But yeah. millions of people put videos on t Twitter, right, instead yes. of tweeting. So I think he's saying bring it on. Then his a lawyer, who I know a little bit, Harmet Dillon, she's very capable and she's his lawyer and she's urging people not to appear on Fox in solidarity. So we're, we're coming to a, a big collision. And there are rumors that if you go on Fox and then you cannot go on Tucker, I mean, you Tucker, Tucker's not that way. Anybody can come on Tucker that he, that he wants. But if you go on Tucker, there's rumors that Fox will not approve of that. I don't know yeah. what that means, but we'll see. Yeah. But it, it's a great thing. He's got you know, in that hour space, he had 3.2 million. But in the hour that that thing appears on Twitter, he's got like 10 million. And then a, a movie, I mean, a, a network news anchor after the hour is over, there's not a lot of what residuals The people then five hours later. I know they have they repeat it for a few hours, but it doesn't go viral. But Tucker's monologue gets four or five times more that in that hour that it's released and sometimes late at night than he got at Fox. But more importantly, he gets up to 100 million. I think he's getting close to a quarter billion uh, uh, viewers that have seen his three or four episodes. He's going to get up to a billion uh, by probably mid-July. That's incredible. You know, yeah. and so I don't think anybody knows what to do. He's single-handedly making <laughs> he's restoring the financial wherewithal on twitter of elon musk <laughs> smart elon musk to bring elon Musk. i like elon musk um but he always surprises people he never gives up never gives no, up absolutely not well let's talk a little bit about india i know their prime minister narendra modi will be here modi. on june 22nd yeah and i was wondering just to get your reflections on india given that we have it seems like a russia china iran triangle and a i guess square austria Australia, India, Japan, and the U.S. seems to be. Well, India is a little different. I mean, it, it's a predominantly the major language, I think, is English. 
and it has that English colonial pedigree, but it's violating the sanctions in a way that Australia or Britain or New Zealand, Canada or America are not. And it has to, it needs oil. So it's buying Russian oil during the Ukrainian war. And it's Modi, the left hates him, right? They call him an authoritarian. He's proud of Hindu nationalists, they call him. And he does, he's not popular in the, in the United States with non-Indian expatriate com communities. So, but, but if you look at India and China, it was always China was the miracle and India is a mess. But if you look at it very carefully, China is shrinking because of that one child. Uh, it has 1.4 billion. I think India is 1.3, and India is slated, I think, to pass China's population in a year or two. More importantly, it's got an English-speaking population, and more importantly, it's democratic. And more importantly, beside aside from its checkered relationship with the West, it's a Western country. That's it. Ha it's you know it's Eastern, but it's had the Raj there for so long. It had so there's a lot of advantages of a close alliance with India and vis-a-vis -vis China, and that's something I think would be working in our favor. That India becomes much more muscular, much more powerful, and we can decouple. And if we, I think companies could move to India as they are to Vietnam, but they should, uh, out of China. And so that, and it's a bulwark. The tragedy of the Ukraine war was we had ways of containing Russia and ways of using Russia. We could contain Russia with NATO. We could contain Russia on its eastern flank with Asian allies. And India was one that was back and forth. It was pro Russian, it was pro West. We could contain China with uh, Russia and india and now we've lost that that element we've lost henry kissinger's as i keep repeating that formula that nobody's going to be china's not going to be any friendlier to russia than it is to us and vice versa russia china to us and that's one of the casualties of the ukrainian war and so we we need to really build our relations with with india as a bulwark or deterrent against both russia and china yeah yeah, and and it's a big trade partner as well. So the economic yeah. benefits of they're tough buyers. They're tough buyers of almonds. Yeah, that's I, I can tell you. That. There, yeah. There's a whole there's a whole crop for almond growers. We we send our almonds, and they sit down for various reasons during the disastrous COVID lockdown, and then we had kind of a trade war with China, and then there was the supply chain. And then they have a shelf life and a cargo container of about, I don't know, a year. And the Indians know that. So they're just twiddling their thumbs and saying, hmm, we love those almonds. But, oh, they're going bad. <laughs> our, <laughs> our spies in the port of L.A. or the port of Oakland say that they some of those containers have been there from last year's crop, nine months. Hmm. I'll tell you what. We don't really think they're worth four fifty a pound. We'll make you a great deal. We'll buy, I don't know, a million pounds at a dollar forty-two. That's how they negotiate. And everybody out here is losing their shirt at almond. Yeah. So sad thing given that your whole ranch is planted in almonds, I understand. Uh, yes, but the fact that I was in my sixties and I'm not worrying about 
uh, renters or, um, you know, pruning uh, grapes and picking grapes and turning them into raisins and hauling bins and, and having every little building on the place full of raisin bins. And then, you know, vineyards are much more upkeep. Now, With I look outside in the almonds and it's like the whole 41 acres is on autopilot, automatic yeah. fertilizing, automatic herbicide, automatic pumping, automatic picking, no thinning, no pruning. It's like a ghost orchard. You know, mm -hmm. every once in a while, I see a guy come through that rents it, uh, one of the renter's employees on a four-wheeler. All he's doing is looking for coyote bites on rip hoses, basically. Yes. Yeah. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll come back to talk a little bit about California and some of the things going on in California. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. And Angie is here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. My son needed a major yard cleanup at his new home. We went straight to the Angie website and found a bunch of local, reliable, and affordable pros to handle the job, and one did pronto. Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. The app and website are free to use. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery. We're back. And Victor, so Adam Schiff, he he first off is being censured or they had attempted to censure him. Um, the Anna Paulina Luna from Florida. Um, I, I don't know what they call it. They pass a, a, a proposal in Congress that he be censured and it didn't win. Well, they, had, they had the votes, that, but they couldn't get everybody on the same page. Uh, and but I think that affects him. And what I really want to get at is the Feinstein's seat as senator. And I was wondering your reflections on that, because I know Adam Schiff is one of the people that would like that seat. But in the difficult, woke atmosphere we have, I have a feeling he's not going to get it. But what do you think? Well, there's a lot of dimensions why they wanted to censor him, because remember, they uh they made a career, they being the left, of what they call disinformation and misinformation. So they, in the in the sense of social media, they enlisted the FBI. So the FBI was a 
official government agency that was paying Twitter $3 million a year to suppress quote unquote disinformation, i.e. authentic laptop embarrassing to Joe Biden, or they were pushing disinformation like 51 quote unquote intelligence authorities that had to, on the prompt of Anthony Blinken, write a, a falsehood that Joe Biden's uh, son's computer had all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation for Joe to say that during the upcoming debate. So they're masters of disinformation and they project going after people for disinformation. But Adam Schiff was the disinformationalist par excellence. For two years, that guy got out in front of the cameras and he had a shtick. Everybody knows it. He would look at the camera and in very soft tones, he'd say, uh, they would get a crowd of reporters in the, in the halls of Congress, and they'd say, Congressman Schiff, Chairman Schiff, is there, what is the latest disclosure? Well, I can't disclose it. I can't disclose it. This is, we're in, we have classified information, but I, I, all I can tell you is what has come before my eyes is pretty worrisome. It's pretty worrisome. I'm not going to disclose, but it's a bombshell quality. And then he'd look and he'd go off. And then during the impeachment, he read into the record what he said Trump said on the phone call, right? And then somebody said, wait a minute, he didn't say that. Well, I'm ad-libbing and I'm sort of, you know, acting as if Trump should have, could have, would have said this. And he was just lying. And then he lied and said he hadn't met Vinman. And Vinman was on the phone call and broke protocol, which is classified. Class, what can be more classified than a private conversation of the president of the United States and the president of Ukraine? So Vinman, being a Ukrainian zealot, pro-Ukrainian, then he sees that his the weapons might be temporary delayed. And by the way, this is a guy who never said a damn word when Obama and Biden did not give them any offensive weapons. So he wasn't principled. He was just left-wing hack in the military. And then he, he snuck over and called his friend, the whistleblower, Sarah Mala. And then the three of them got together with Adam Schiff and cooked up the impeachment. And the whistleblower never heard the phone call. He, he got it second half. But the point is that Adam Schiff lied and said he hadn't done this. He hadn't met these people. So yeah. he's lied under oath. And I think just to finish this r rant, it's very funny to see all these people on MSNBC and CNN say, you can't have disinformation. We don't say things that are not true. We just don't <laughs> do it. And then they have the, you know, the clips, this Rachel Maddow, all she did every night was tell us that the Steele dossier was authentic, or they got guests like Max Boot or an ex-CIA agent. They said, don't listen to people, this the CIA and they, they had these anchors saying, can anybody actually say there's one thing in the sealed dossier that's been proven false? Yes, there's not one thing that's been proven true. Not one. Oh, Victor, how you exaggerate? Well, I'm exaggerating because James Comey got so frustrated as he was deceiving the FISA court. They asked Miss Christopher Steele, he got a million bucks, million bucks. Imagine anybody in our audience thinking, hmm, I'm going to make up a phony dossier about Joe Biden, completely out of whole cloth, fly to Washington, pedal it around, call it the FBI, become a consultant, get paid, and then 
it's all false. And then they're going, oh, but I'll have one true thing and they'll give me a million bucks because I had one yeah. true thing. And that <laughs> that's what, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. And that, that didn't phase those guys at all. So they really ruined their credibility. Adam Schiff is at the center of it. He wants to be senator. His only angle is that uh, he's in California, so it's lunatic. And they don't care if a leftist a lunatic because he's a, one of them. But he's running, is it Barbara Lee he's running against? Yes. And yes. she's she's farther to the left than he is. People in California see that woke has destroyed their state. She's a wokest. And the weird thing about it is that Gavin Newsom wants to be president. And what's the upside of appointing Adam Schiff? If you're if Diane Stein, Feinstein steps down, what, what's the upside? I see no upside because he's hoisted on his own petard of wokeness. He's a white male, right? Upper yes. middle class white male. What does Gavin Newsom get out of that for a national campaign? He wants to say that he appointed the first black woman as senator if he's going to run. Yeah. So Adam got out lefted by Newsom and Barbara Lee, but then. What's he doing? He's calling up Pelosi and saying, you know, put Diane on life support. Give her, I don't know, Prevagen injections. Do it, whatever you do, but do not have her resign. I don't care if she can't walk, breathe, look, get her on a stretcher, but she's not going to resign and let Gavin Newsom make Barbara Lee an incumbent. And that's be an unfair advantage of me when I run against an incumbent. It's got to be a free-for-all. Uh, primary, so that's and Pelosi who. is supporting Schiff, so she's <laughs> she's doing everything she can, which is why you don't hear in the news that Feinstein is actually going to resign. Ah, <laughs> uh, she's she's supporting Schiff, but it's under the guise of Diane and I are great friends. I wouldn't dare try to force her out. Yeah, that's yeah, but okay. it, it's first for Schiff. Everybody's afraid of Barbara Lee because she hates them. And they, this is the problem with the left. They think that just because they're wealthy white people on the, the bi-coastal elite domain, that when they create people uh, in their party and they empower people who are racist that happen to be non-white, they think they're exempt. And they're very condescending and arrogant. Like, how could you not like me because I'm white? Don't you know what I've done for you? And they're saying, well, you told me I could be racist. So <laughs> there it is. <laughs> If it shoe fits, wear it. And that's what they've done. Yeah. And that's always amazes me when I meet, because uh, I live, you know, I work on the, the coast of California. When I meet white people who are very wealthy, affluent, and really hardcore left, and then sometimes they'll seek a conversation out with me and say, hey, Victor, you know, not that I like Trump or DeSantis. I, no, 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 no. But have you been to San Francisco lately? <laughs> yes. Or did you look at who got into Stanford University? Yes. Have you seen the empty stores in Los Angeles? Yes. Have you tried to drive down the 101 lately? Yes. Have you been on BART? No, I wouldn't do that. And and it's like there's no connection between my ideology and the dystopia or the the chaos that was created by it. Mm -hmm. But so I can't change my vote, but I'm a little worried that my vote empowered forces that I can't avoid, even with my privilege, money, and influence. 
Yeah. Remember, yeah, every time we talk about this, I always remember that um, interview that Laura did with the San Francisco guy and he was redoing his house and it like, was broken in guy. about eight or nine times. But he did the same thing. He told her all about all this trouble. And then he goes, I don't know how to deal with it. Like vote Laura, differently. <laughs> Laura was really good in that interview. She said, have you made a connection <laughs> between what's happened <laughs> and what's happening? Um, Kind of. I, I, I think there is a connection. Yes. But I have hired a person to sleep in a sleeping bag in my apartment so they don't cart off. And then he said, it's very troubling because in broad daylight, they just drive up right into my courtyard and they unload my refrigerator and everything. And the police, they don't do anything. And, you know, it, I I don't know what to tell him. He's. He's in the Roman. He's in the Roman form about 470 A.D. Wondering where Cicero is, and Cicero's been dead for 500 years. You know, I mean, sorry, San Francisco disappeared. Yeah, and the Viscos and the Vandals are here, yeah. and, and there's nobody to save you, and there's no there's, civilization. I'm sorry, it's gone. There, you, you destroyed it. Yeah, and there's nothing going to stop them. Which brings me to the other California story, which is the Senate Bill. 553, which um, prohibits employers from mandating employees confront shoplifters. You know what? They put it in with um, armed assailants or something like that. I can't remember what the other term was, but anybody who is got an arm or shoplifters and they say um, confront, um, what they call them? They call them suspected shoplifters. So that's where they stuck it in. And the other term was active shooters. So a employer can't expect an employee to confront an active shooter or a suspected shoplifter. That yeah, was passed I, on May 31st and it goes into effect January 1st. I thought it had, has it, has it passed the assembly? I thought it was just gone through the Senate, California maybe, Senate. Yeah, maybe it was just because I can't imagine. I, I, I can't believe it. I mean, they just shot that security guard at Home Depot not too long ago and killed him for trying to enforce the law. But I mean, they shouldn't call it, they should just call it the destruction of civilization law because that's what it is. The other one where it was $950 and it wasn't a felony that opened the floodgates after the George Floyd riots and all that crap. And now you can steal and nobody does anything, but the idea that the, that the owner who works so hard and he, he's got inventory and a guy comes in and just steals and he can't confront him is, is crazy. Why don't they just do this? Why don't they just say the people in the California Senate and assembly for that, for that to happen will, will not exempt their own homes. So if you propose a bill that says you cannot confront a shoplifter, then the authors of the bill cannot confront somebody that goes into their property and steals their hose, their plants, or goes inside their home and just shoplifts and takes things. They cannot confront them because that's what they're telling businesses. Why don't they do it to themselves? But, you know, we know that left-wing people... Oh, look at Paul Pelosi. He used a hammer, didn't he? And he should have just said, you know what? My party said you can shoplift. So just take what you want out of Nancy in my house. I don't care. I'm not going to resist. But they they always do that. They have these two, this weird 
I don't know what it is. It's just psychological. They feel so good about themselves in the abstract and they scurry around in the concretes that they're never subject to the ideological, ideological ramifications of what they've created. You know, it's kind of like what um, the Scottish Calganus said about the Romans. That's in Tacitus when he says about Rome. He says, yeah, they, they create a desert and they call it peace. <laughs> <laughs> and they create a, a desert and they call it civilization or woke or whatever it is. <laughs> They're geniuses, that's for sure, in California. And that's why we see everybody exiting, of course. Well, let's move on then to a new movie that's out. The name of the movie is Tar and um, Kate Blanchett just plays a you know an excellent. She's always just brilliant in all of her movies. But this is a good six minute little episode where we do see a little bit of council culture coming out of the movie industry. And I was wondering your thoughts on that. Some of the times, what the left does with films and books and interviews is that people who secretly know that wokeism is wrong and destroying things, then they want to convey that message, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll make a character who's flawed or doomed or gets knocked off <laughs> and voice what they want as an alter ego almost. But then they can always say, well, we made a movie looking how ridiculous she was and, you know, sexist and out of time. And she ends up blowing her, I mean, you know, her whole career. But they're able to voice things. And that's what you were meaning by that clip, right? Yes. And I'll give you an example. Uh, remember the Tom Cruise, few, is it a few brave, uh, when he's talking to Jack Nicholson? Oh, uh, yeah. A few, um, was it a few brave a few men? Good, a few good uh, men. Yeah. So that's a left-wing movie, right? Yeah. And it's trying to show how bad the military is a few good men is you know it was made by uh it was a left-wing movie is what i'm trying to say and yet they understood that the military has to be a little different and it has people like jack nicholson so how do you <laughs> and it's secretly getting kind of tired of legalism so what they do in that movie is they put jack nicholson on the stand and he's going to melt down and be right wing and bigoted and crazy. Right. Yeah. But he's going to do it in such a brilliant way, like Kate, that they get that message across that they secretly sort of. And he says, you can't handle the truth. I sat out there in the wall out there in Guantanamo and you sit home and people like me keep you safe. Every and he's supposed to. And this is the process of his destruction. But he's trying to show something. And it's the same thing with the cane mutiny when. When uh, Humphrey Bogart melts down with the little balls, you know, and stuff. And then uh, Jose Ferrer is a lawyer. So he comes back in and you all you you just know that you can't have a Navy with Humphrey Bogart or can you? And then we hear Jose Ferrer said, you know what? When you guys were at Ivy League and you this guy was in the peacetime Navy making nothing and he was on patrol and he did his job. And that that's kind of what I think this movie sounds like tar, but and that it's a way of putting in the mouth and unattractive character ideas that will resonate with the audience. Yeah. Because people yeah, are sick, she, sick of woke. But she the hasn't, oh, I think ahead. she'll have to be 
she'll have to be like Jack Nicholson and blow up or like Humphrey Bogart and blow up. Yeah, she because does. You, you can't, you can't, if you're left wing, you can't support that type of behavior, but you want to air it maybe just yeah. for dramatic quality. I mean, just for the tense tension, but often it gets out of hand. The director yeah. of Few Good Men had no idea that that thing would go viral with Jack Nicholson. That was probably his greatest moment in movie history Yeah, when he gave that outburst. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. And everybody still says that you can't handle the truth. Yeah. And, and so I think maybe maybe this will go viral in the same way. Yeah. She says you're going to judge Beethoven on the criteria of, you know, whiteness and heterosexual, et cetera. She goes, every viewer that comes into an audience that you will be performing for will have criteria cards. Do you want them to have that same kind of criteria card or not? And that's when he walks out. <laughs> well, you so know it was pretty brilliant. Yeah. You know what's coming, everybody. We know what's coming. It's like we're tied on a locomo uh, locomotive track or train track, and we can see the locomotive coming. And what's coming is that once the left did this, and set themselves up as the moral arbiters of good and bad and tasteful and woke and racist. And they pointed at the establishment or the majority of population of white males or white Christian heterosexual male. They just white, white supremacy, white rage, white, 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 white rage, white privilege, white supremacy. They just kept it, kept at it and at it and at it. And at some point, you're going to start to see people say, okay. There's going to be one or two reactions. You take over. You're so brilliant. You do it. The AOC, look at her. She's a model of wisdom, isn't she? And is that is that what you want? Do you or they're going to say, you know what? Give me the alternative. And you know this happened in the '90 culture wars with when Bill Bennett was Secretary of Education and um, Alan Bloom wrote. The closing of the American mind and Saul Bellow got political. I mean, he was always political, but he was outspoken. And he said something that just he said, okay, where is your Tolstoy? Just tell me where he is. Tell me where he is in Africa. That's so superior. Because they were talking about Afrocentrism. That was when Al Sharpton said, when those Greek homos were around, the people in Africa were building civilization. Remember that? Well, <laughs> no, I don't. But yeah, he, ah, yeah, he did. Uh, Al Sharpton, the great left-wing, tolerant model of probity. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can find so much things he said that were homophobic and anti-Semitic and racist and how that guy ever got re rehabilitated under Obama. I'll never know. But yeah. anyway, my point is simply we're getting to the junction where it can't go on and people are going to say, you know what? Okay. So people, six million people are coming across the border for what? To join a country that you say is innately racist from the beginning and horrible and never really developed and corrected itself. And that's it's no no better. Than, then why are they coming? Or why don't they just go back if they don't like it? Or, you know, why don't you I, see? Why don't you see? I, why don't you see Silicon Valley in the middle of Nigeria? Why not? And so that's what it's going to go if you're going to say this is all negative, negative. You know, Barack Obama has been attacking. I guess he attacked Tim Scott. Did you see that? Oh, he, yes, I he, did. Yes, he tweeted. And I'm going to tweet uh, something today. I'm going to have my tw Twitter expert put it on for me because I've never done it myself. But 
what mansion did Obama come out of to tweet or say something about Tim Scott? Did he say it from his multi, multi million dollar environmentally on sound on house polluting beachside estate that will be killed and destroyed by global warming tidal waves, which he warned us about? Or did he do it from his 40 acre, 14 million dollar estate on Martha's Vineyard that's right near the ocean as well with 2000 gallons worth of propane tanks? Or did he do it from his safe, not in the least high crime area in Washington, D.C., Caloma Mansion? But I know he didn't do I know he didn't say that from his fourth home, his Tony Resco extra lot size mansion in Chicago. So he from one of those mansions, he did a podcast and he attacked Tim Scott, who grew up poor, black and rural, the rural South. Um, and and that's the whole that's all you need to know. Yeah, you know, that's all you need to know that this guy has been in prep school. His grandmother worked for a bank. His mom had a Ph.D. He got into Occidental. We don't know how he got in to Columbia because he won't release his transcript. We don't know how he got into Harvard. We know how he got in, but we don't. And his entire life has been based on privilege and exemption and exception. And what does he say? He's saying that Tim Scott, who really did have to make it on his own, had none of those advantages as somehow less authentic black than half black uh, Barack Obama, who has no experience with the black experience the black American experience because his father was an African and somebody who was involved in a series of auto accidents and things. So th this is what's going to happen. And the more that people criticize the status quo, not that it doesn't need reform, the more people are going to say, you know what, what, what have you done? You tell me what you have done. I want to hear it. I want to hear Barack Obama, what you have done is so you're, Jeremiah Wright, that's, you know, goddamn America, that guy, the guy who said that the Pentagon had special weapons that could send out <laughs> the Jews had made that could send out people by their race and were targeting them. Mm. That that guy, the guy who when they asked if he'd seen you lately, Barack, he said, no, dim Jews got him. And mm. you sat there for what you said to an interview with a lot uh, Chicago Sun, as I remember, they said, you really go to Reverend Wright's church. Yep. Never missed a service. So if you never missed a service, Brock, you heard the goddamn America uh, sermon, didn't you? So that's where we're at. And yeah, everybody's everybody's equal under the law. So if you put yourself up as a prosecutor and you're going to collectivize a whole group and damn them, then you better be careful because the same yeah. thing's going to boomerang back on your tribe. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break and then come back for the last part of our segment and look at some of the new announcements of going into the presidential race for 2024. We'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Um, This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor can be found also on social media at VD Hanson um on twitter and then he has hansen's morning cup on facebook and there is the victor davis hansen fan club which we don't have any um, connection is it's completely independent but they like to bring up lots of the old things that victor does as well as the new things so it's a good page to check out so victor we have some new announcements coming into the race and they'll probably be a, a week old by the time people hear this but um, cornell west has um, announced that he wants to run as a third party i was wondering if you had any thoughts on cornell west's um Uh, The people who will be against that, of course, are the left because they're even in the polls. And so far, so far, there doesn't seem like there's going to be a third party on the right. And when they're 46-46, or we've had two close elections, at least in the Electoral College, a very small number of third-party votes, as we saw in 2000 with Ralph Nader, can make a big difference in the Electoral College. And uh, you can make the argument that even Jill Stein might have had some effect in the 2016 election. So the left is paranoid if he were to draw off 1% or 2% of the black vote, for example. But otherwise, he's not a serious, he's not a serious figure. He's yeah, very he, tight with Bernie Sanders, isn't he? That he oh, yeah, may draw well, more votes than just that. But he could. I mean, he's a self-acclaimed or self-described uh, Marxist, and he's you know he's. I've tried to read stuff he writes. I can't write. I can't understand a word he writes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of. 25% half-baked Foucault, 25% half-baked Derrida, 25% half-baked Lacan, and then sort of evangelical, hey, brother stuff laced with it. And mm. I mean, he I think he was the son of a minister, and he grew up pretty affluent, you know, and he's, he's a man of the cloth, but I think he's been married five or six times, you know, that yeah. not that third parties don't care about that stuff. If you run with five different wives, right? <laughs> I suppose not. Why he was famous he was he was famous because Larry Summers was a president of Harvard and Larry Summers was getting tired of all the celebrities at Harvard that weren't scholars anymore or weren't doing their work. So he called in Cornell West who had done I think a rap video which was a complete failure, of course, and asked him where was your scholarly book or something. And that was an insult. And then everybody said it was right. That helped that and the comment about women did Larry Summers in, and then he went to Princeton, et cetera, et cetera. But he was not subject to, let let us put it this way. He was not subject to post-tenure review that occasionally, occasionally happens to people, but not often. So you don't think it's serious, but what do you think he's? Oh, no, no. uh, No, I think he's thinking 
that he doesn't like the Democratic Party. He's got a grudge against Obama. Remember that he came out early for Obama. And when nobody knew who Obama was, he was a guy who had run for representative and got crushed in Chicago, right? Mm -hmm. And then he ran, he wanted to go run for senator and he was going to get crushed. So they let him speak, I think, at the 2000, was it 2004? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, the 2004 convention. And and he gave a completely disingenuous, uh, we are not, we're one country, we are, that was right during the height of the Iraq war. We're not red America, we're not blue. And everybody thought, oh my God, it's Martin Luther King. But there was nothing in his background. That was all false. That was a facade. And then he ran for Senate. And then mysteriously, Sammy, we don't know why, but his, his Republican nominee who was better funded ahead in the polls, somebody leaked his divorce settlement and somebody leaked a fact that he may or may not have manhandled his wife. And then he dropped out and Brock was the only one left. And then he was in the gym and somebody leaked stuff about his general opponent. We don't know who. And (laughs) And so he was well in that transition from nobody a uh, Chicago law professor who thought he was a politician going nowhere with Bill Ayers ghostwriting probably his memoirs. He he wanted to like Cornell West and Cornell West was a big guy and, you know, public intellectuals. And, and, so, and then when he became a senator and he went for president, Cornell West thought that he would be what? He had a special relationship with the first black president. So like Al Sharpton, he would just walk, walk into the White House and Obama didn't like that. So when mm-hmm. Cornell West showed up at the inauguration with his mother, there was no seat for him, oh. no ticket. He, yeah. And, and he just and he ended up hating Obama. Yeah, that's what that was what was so strange about him. But yeah, maybe that I'm, is the motive then. huh? Yeah. 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 And he he doesn't like the Democratic Party. And he liked he would love to he would love the role that in the 2024 election, if Donald Trump or DeSantis uh, either is even in the popular vote or loses the popular vote, but wins, let's say, Georgia or Arizona, uh, say Georgia, and that's tips the Electoral College. And then we find out that they win Georgia by 20,000 votes and that Cornell West got 20,000 votes. He would love that as a spoiler. So the Democrats, are they don't like Kennedy. They don't like him. And they they they'll get they'll have ways of dealing with them. They always do. Yeah. All right. And then just to finish off this podcast, um, and maybe there's not a lot to say because not many of us know Miami's mayor Francis Suarez. And I was wondering your thoughts. He also is entering the race and in the Republican race for 2024. Yeah, these are all Pete Buttigieg type candidates. You know what I mean? He is. And I mean, he's got he's not that's an insult to Suarez. He's actually you know, he's a lawyer, politician, and he's done a pretty good job in Miami. He's also, I think he's in his mid-40s, too. So he's young, handsome. He's got a, the Cuban population is behind him. But I, I think he's a little bit too liberal for the post-Romney Republican Party. And uh, why is he running? Because it looks, let's be honest, if... Uh, DeSantis or Trump get the nomination. You can't have another white guy in the ticket, right? 
you're not going to ever again see Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney. So you're going to have to have a woman, you know, so who are going to be the possible vice presidential candidate? It's going to be Nikki Haley, Tim Scott. I like Tim Scott. I think I just heard him yesterday speak. He's very good, but I don't think uh, it's very hard for a senator without, for, you know, and no national exposure to become the president of the United States. Obama did it, but that was a special case. Yeah. D- Democratic Party. But I think Tim Scott would probably be the leading vice presidential candidate for either Trump or DeSantis. And then Mr. Suarez, too. So a lot of these candidates are running. I don't know what Chris Christie, the human torpedo, I don't know what he's supposed to do. His job is to be aimed at Donald Trump and blow him up, I think. And then he thinks the winner will appoint him attorney general, I guess. Mm. There's no other point. He can't win. But he's, his job is he sees it as to blow up. He's just have his suicide vest and blow up the Trump candidacy, so to speak. You're talking about this like that article I read, the anti-Trump cartel, as though there's different roles to play for I each think that, Yeah, there, there is. Nikki Haley is is to be the sober and judicious foreign policy critic of Donald Trump. And then she's going to say that DeSantis is too conservative or he's, he's tied up in local Florida politics. But the fact of the matter is there's only one real issue right now, and that is just one issue in this race, and that is the natural empathy that conservatives feel for what this government is doing to Donald Trump vis-a-vis what they did not do to Hunter Biden, what they did not do to Joe Biden, what they did not do to James Clapper, John Brennan, Andrew McCabe, Hillary Clinton. They are doing in spades. It wasn't enough for them to impeach a president twice that had never happened. It wasn't enough for them to try a president as a private citizen, which has never happened. It was not enough to try to destroy a presidential transition by going after Michael Flynn. Wasn't enough to concoct the Russian disinformation laptop thing so that Joe Biden could lie in the debate and win the 2020 election. It wasn't enough for the whole Russian collusion. Mueller just wasn't enough for them. So they just had to get an indictment. That was not enough, Mr. Smith. So they just had to have Alvin Bragg. That was not enough. Then they just had to have Latita Jane. That was not enough. Then they just had to have Fannie Willis. And that's how they operate. And so the question is, after they go after him so much, people are getting very, very angry, really angry about this blatant asymmetry. They did. To indict a ex-president is one thing we've never seen before, but a force multiplying fact is they're indicting the, the candidate leading the polls to oppose Joe Biden, which was one of the reasons they claimed they impeached Donald Trump when he had the phone call about Ukraine. They said it was aimed at his potential rival, Joe Biden. But my point is this, is we don't know what our reaction will be as conservatives in six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. It depends on a lot on how credible the, I mean, how adroit, I should say, these prosecutors are in getting the correct jury. So if you're Smith, you're going to lose in South Florida. But, but if you can find one count against Trump, that he took the this, this stuff out in Washington or something, or it was an espionage, then you get a Washington jury. 
And I bet you five bucks they're going to try to find in those 37 counts, one of them that they can have a jury in Washington, because that's yeah. what it's all about. It's all political. And you don't know what a New York Alvin Bragg can sneeze and they will convict Donald Trump in New York. Same thing with Latita James. All she has to do is say Donald Trump is a racist. And that's why he overvalued his assets. All Alvin Bragg has said, Donald Trump is a racist. That's why he had this campaign finance violation. And all Lutita uh, Fannie Willis says, John, Donald Trump is a racist. I got an Atlanta jury. So they're going to indict him. And I think they're going to convict him very unfairly. Yes. But you don't know the reaction to the Republicans if they're going to say, oh, my God, I'm going to fight. We're going to make sure that we elect a guy who's indicted and we're going to get back and get even. Or they're going to say... There's an alternative, one of the other candidates, and, and we're going, that candidate will get even. Yeah. We don't uh, know what's going to happen. A, no, we don't. It's no. far in the future, so. And anybody that says they do is, is wrong because yeah. everybody, everything that looks certain the summer before the November, the year before the November election is always proven to be completely at odds with what actually happens. Yeah. Well, Victor, thank you very much for all of your analysis of current events today. I appreciate your words of wisdom. I know that our listeners do, too. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I much appreciate it, as always. This is Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hanson, and we're signing off. Mm-hmm.